Well, hi everybody, and welcome to another Speedway podcast. Uh, my name's Mike Bacon, and my guest today, um, well, he's a man who's graced British Speedway for almost two decades. Um, starting out as a 16-year-old um, at Poole, he went on to become one of Australia's greatest motorcyclists, riding for various clubs in the UK as well as all over Europe. Three-time world champion, world under-21 champion, Aussie champion, world team cup, multiple champion. Ah, oh, I could go on and on, but that'd be the end of the podcast. Um, he quit the sport in 2012, only to make a sensational announcement. He's going to have another crack at it again, um, hopefully this season, with the season gets up and running um, with Ipswich Witchers. Um, lots of sports have legends, um, and in Speedway, this guy is certainly that. Um, it's Mr. Jason Crump, all the way from Australia. Jason, how are you this uh, this fine day? Um, I'm very well. It's, um, it's funny to be... You know, I thought I was going to be in the UK still, but obviously after the way everything worked out and after press day, um, I took the opportunity to, to come home to my family and um, I'm, I'm happy I did. I mean, in, in times of crisis, and let's be honest, the world is in a bit of a crisis at the moment, um, there's nowhere better to be or more important to be rather than, than with your family. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm back home now. The right decision, Jason, as you say, there'd have been nothing more, nothing worse than sort of stuck out if you were stuck over here, um, if, if flights had been an issue. Well, yeah, I mean, as it as it turned out, I'm, I'm very, very fortunate. I've had a, a tremendous sponsor in ATPI um, for many, many years. And Ian, Ian contacted me. Um, actually, we spoke on the Tuesday before the press day at Ipswich on the Wednesday and he said to me, I think I need to get you home by the week, kind of before the weekend if we can. And um, anyway, by the time I got to Foxhall for, for riding on, on the Wednesday, he had me booked on a flight out of Heathrow at 10 o'clock that night. So um, he didn't waste any time. No, the, the right decision, I think, Jason, the right decision. Um, uh, well, uh, did you like that introduction there? There's a lot of, a lot of titles there and stuff, uh, Jason. Wasn't that? Good <laughs> you, re- you reminded me of Kevin Longwood with that one. There's just nothing smart <laughs> in at the end <laughs> <laughs> oh Kevin Kevin Long's looking forward to seeing you again Jason I know that and I think he's, he's, he's practicing he's, um, he's practicing his, his uh, verses already I believe from what I've been told so. I'm, I'm looking I'm really looking forward to it because Kevin for many many years he actually thought he was getting to me you know by you know I was, I was a guy I, I, when I came to Ipswich I, I always liked the track and you know generally I always scored pretty decent points and and um, I'm sure Kevin thought initially that he was bothering me, and, and actually I enjoyed all the things he said. It was it made the start of the night um, from my side a bit lighthearted, and you know it, it certainly didn't. It, it never bothered me. I was always I was always up for it. I suppose in later years, I maybe I spoke to him, and you know, and and conveyed that. But. Um, it was certainly a, a good introduction to the night and a good way to start the night. I always, I always love going to Ipswich anyway. Great, always a good team, always um, hard riders. And Ipswich, the way it used to be, it's difficult for me to say. I've ridden on the track since, like, obviously at, at press day, I've ridden on the track since it's been changed. I haven't raced on it. But Ipswich was always one of those tracks that you went to and, I always felt that if I was riding, if I could go to Ipswich and score good points, and I could go anywhere and score good, score good points, because it was it was always a tricky, tough track, and always had home track specialists there. What did you think of the track, Jason? Because it has changed shape considerably since you were last there. Did, I mean, I know, you, like you say, you didn't race, but you you certainly had a spin round. I mean, did it did it feel a bit different? It, it actually was. Um, Ipswich, for, for me personally, always felt like quite a small track, and um, especially down the back straight, you you kind of run out of room very easily, and um, you know the entry into the third bend was very very um, tight and sharp to get in, and to hold a line on the exit of the corner, you had to get that pretty well right. So the other day, I, I definitely noticed that there was a lot more room on the track, and I would think that it probably makes the track a bit faster and. Um, if anything, possibly a, a little bit easier for the away riders um, to get the hang of. Yeah, certainly, certainly Chris Louie's done a lot of change to that track, and there's certainly the racing has it, 
Well, it's improved. There's been a lot more passing and stuff. So, looking for hopefully, hopefully we'll get to see you on it um, this year, Jason. That'd be the nice thing. Um, but going back, going back to the start. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm really, you know, I'm really excited about it, and um, you know, I, I hope that the season can start soon. I think, I think the initial delay from from the BSPA was probably a little bit short when they said we're going to re reassess it in the middle of April. Um, you know, I think, I think now. Everybody's starting to realise that, you know, probably towards the end of May, maybe the beginning of June is a realistic target, and maybe it's going to be after that. But, um, you know, hopefully the season gets going sooner rather than later because I'm pretty bored in Australia. At the <laughs> I was going to say, just, I mean, for yourself, this has been such a big comeback and such a, a decent, yeah, you know, a big decision for you to make. I mean, it must be a little frustrating that you're just right on the edge of let's go and then stop. It's just stopped. So I mean, it, you know, it was a huge decision to make, and um, you know, to be honest with you, most most years um, in the British off season or the European off season, I generally get a phone call or two from clubs asking me. Oh, really? And, Do you really? That sounds interesting. You know, yeah, yeah, it's it, it's it's pretty common. Um, yeah, like I said, normally a couple most years, and you know, at different times there's been riders injured. Unfortunate injuries have happened to riders in different yeah. teams, and I've had a phone call, and obviously it's never worked out. But in in all honesty, working working through things with Chris and the expectation from from him, and that you know what he expects me to do in the team and what he wants me to try and do in the team, and obviously Guy and Julie Nichols have been sponsors of mine for for many years back, you know, back before I stopped, and. Um, you know that, that everything fell into place. I've told many people this, but there was probably seven or eight things from completely different people that all had to fall into place. Yeah. And one by one, every duck lined up yep. the way it needed to, and and it was possible for it all to happen. So I'm excited. I'm I'm looking forward to getting back um, back to the UK and and starting the season soon because it is. It, I'm looking forward to it. It's a great bunch of riders in the team. Um, I've, obviously, I've met some of them before and others I didn't really know, but it seems like a, a really good team, a good atmosphere in the team. And, and of course, Chris at the helm, Richie as a team manager, it's it's a great close bunch of guys. The react. I, I think we spoke about this when I first spoke to the reaction among not just Ipswich fans but Speedway fans in general in Britain has been so positive. Have you been really enthused by that? Because you must, you, you you must have seen all the publicity about. Obviously, you've seen and seen the reaction of you coming back over has been very positive, Jason. It's been nice, and um, you know, the, one thing that does keep cropping up with a lot of comments about me riding again is the fact that. Everybody's got an opinion that says, you know, he probably stopped too soon. Well, you know, at the time, um, <clears throat> in 2012, it didn't seem like it was too soon. And it still doesn't seem like it was too soon. But all of a sudden, after I rode a couple of meetings in Australia this year, it, it was good to ride in them. I enjoyed those meetings. Rode okay. Um, and all of a sudden, it was like, Maybe I maybe I should have another go at this. Maybe I do want to have another go at this. And you know, I'm 44, and I, you know, it's probably not an option in five or six years for me to do it again. No, so no, no. I thought if the itch is there, I've got to scratch it, and get it, and do it. Brilliant. Well, look, let's go back to the early days, um, Jason. When you first came over, obviously, you, you, you know, you're you, you're born you're born to a speedway family, very much so. Um, was speedway what, what as a kid? I mean, when you went to school, what, what was it other sports apart from? Well, you know, obviously it wasn't in speedway, but what, were you a sporty, a sporty young young man? Any sports really took your fancy before speedway? I, I, I guess I was just like a, a you know a normal kid. You, you know, I went to school for half the year in the UK when my dad was racing there, and you know you you played football and but you know you did all that sort of stuff, and then we came back to Australia when he quit and. I really didn't get into the motorbike side of things until that stage. I was around 10, 11 years old at that point. And, um, 
you know, yeah, you do all the school the school things. You play at the Aussie Rules or rugby league. You yeah. play cricket in the summer. Um, as a family, we used to do a lot of water skiing and, and things like that. But um, where I grew up in the country, in Mildura, you know, it's, you know, Lee Adams is from Mildura. Obviously, my dad was the first one from, from Mildura to, to go anywhere in Speedway, really. And, you know, he was... He was our. He was a forerunner for all of us, and and it was Lee and Jason Lyons and Mark Lemon and and myself, and um, there was a whole group of us that that all grew up not just riding speedway together, but we actually rode motorbikes together. Yeah. Um, and then it kind of developed into speedway, and you know, Jason Lyons is the oldest of all of us, so he probably got on went from the junior speedway onto a 500 and then Lee did the same and I guess by the time by the time Lemo and I got to the stage of being able to go up onto the 500 Lee and Lionsy were already in the UK racing so so for us it was just you know hope that you get an offer of a contract as soon as possible but you're and you're only 16 when that that came um was it a pool pool pirates was it pool who you started yeah well my my grandfather was, he was the team manager. He was very, very good friends with Mervyn Stukesbury and Peter yeah. Ansel that used to run Weymouth and then they moved to Poole. So, um, it was, it was just, it was just an, the natural progression, you know, it was, I was riding, riding the speedway here. I was kind of doing okay on the, in the junior speedway. And then you take the step up and you, you see where you stand. You've got to find a place in the order and, I signed for Pool and then went for my first year out on loan to Peterborough, which was managed by, believe it or not, the team manager was Richie's dad, Kevin. Kevin Hawkins, so yeah. <laughs> Kevin Hawkins was a, was my first team manager at Peterborough in 92, and Richie's now my team manager in <laughs> 2020. Fantastic. Well, I mean, as a sixteen, so, um, as a sixteen-year-old, Jason, I mean, as of your very young age, but I know you've got young Seth, and perhaps we might mention him a little later. But I mean, sixteen is very young. So was it quite daunting for you? You know, suddenly on this five hundred cc bike, sitting at the tapes, coming over from Oz. I know you obviously had people over who you knew, but you know, how did you feel? How how was it for you? Was it just massive excitement being so young? Yeah, for sure, it was. It was full excitement, and and it was what you know, it was. It was a dream. It was what it was what you wanted to do since I was 12, 13 years old. And, you know, to have that opportunity was huge. I, as you said, I was very fortunate. My grandparents lived in Exeter and my uncle, um, Drew, he, he, you know, he was with me from my first meeting at Peterborough. Both, both of my uncles, um, you know, were involved in my career from the start to the end. And Drew in particular, he he was with me and you know, I think he probably missed three or four Grand Prix out of every Grand Prix I rode in. He yeah. was, he was always there. So, um, I was fortunate. I did at 16, I didn't have a license, so I had to have somebody to drive me to the races. Yeah. Yeah. He was a huge part of, of, he was a huge part of my career, but as time went on, of course, and you, you get a license and then you get mechanics and, staff and everything else he, he was still a part of it but um, obviously we had other people doing <laughs> doing different jobs now now Peterborough's Peterborough's big and fast and obviously that was the track you spent a lot of time first on I mean how did it compare to the Aussie tracks because there's some big tracks in Oz and there's some small tracks in Oz isn't there um, what, what, what had you come from into if you like at, at Peterborough I came into our home track in Mildura where we all learned to ride was was very small at that point. Yeah. Probably not a lot unlike the old Ipswich. Yeah. Um, one thing it was that was very different there was our track had a solid wood fence and when you hit that it sometimes <laughs> took a while to get up. But we you know, we had <clears throat> we had a tremendous bunch of riders, not just locally at that point, but just across the the border in South Australia, we had, you know, 350, 400 kilometres away from Adelaide. So we had that whole bunch of South Australian riders, Shane Parker, Scott Norman, and Craig Hodson, um, Shane Poos. Um, yeah, there was, there was a lot of, you know, 
good level competition that we could race with, you know, very often in, in the summer season here. And um, it helped all of us. It absolutely helped all of us because we were all desperately keen to beat each other all the time. How did you find Peter Brown in that first season? Not just, but at the end of your first season, perhaps. Um, you know, had, you know that it was a big thing to suddenly get your first season under under your belt. Um, did yeah, you, did I, you... and, and and I had a and I had a great year. Yeah, you know, I I I was in a team where you know the the, the team leaders were two Aussie guys, the guys guys that I knew well, Mick Poole and Stephen Davies. So. Um, I was very fortunate to go into that team. I forged a strong friendship with Neville Tatum that year, and um, it, <clears throat> and and of course we won the league and we won the knockout cup. And um, you know, I was I, I you know I had a, a pretty good year for the first year of racing in the UK. I think my average was over eight points. And yeah, that's extraordinary, isn't it? I mean, that's enjoyed every moment of it. And, yeah. and the funny part is. I can actually probably remember more from that year and the year after at Swindon than I can from years that I won the world championship in because Speedway was different then. That it was all fun and it was all exciting and yeah. it hadn't become a job and it was something that you did because you loved doing it. Yes, yeah, that. I mean, those early years in England were obviously very important to you and you became a fixture in England for, as I said at the start, you know, for sort of, you know, two decades, you know, riding for different clubs. Um, I mean, British Speedways has changed, but uh, you know, it's changed a lot over the years. But you, you obviously loved riding in England, otherwise you wouldn't have done it. And and but but, but why? So many riders today don't. But why? Why was it so important then for the likes of yourself to ride in England week in week out? Well, if I'm absolutely honest with you, I think it's still important for riders to ride in the UK because it's the only country in the world where you can go from. Ipswich Monday night, you might be riding at Peterborough Thursday night. I mean, you, you go back to when I was riding in the UK, you had so many different tracks. You had the extreme, you could race at Lakeside on a Friday night, Arena Essex Lakeside. Yeah. And Saturday night, you're at Bradford. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, that, that's, that's from one extreme to the other. And mm. you didn't have an easy, you know, <clears throat> it, it, that was that was tough speedway. That was that was an education, you know. Oh, look, don't get me wrong. The tracks in Poland are all fantastic. You know, the state there's a lot of nice stadiums. There's a lot of great tracks there, but all of the tracks in Poland they're, they're not the same, but they're very very similar. They're all 330 to 370 meters, or 200 300 meters to 370 meters. They're all big, fast tracks. They're all wide. Every track in Poland's got plenty of room on it, just about. You don't have the Lakeside Friday and, and Bradford Saturday experience when you're racing in Poland. And as far as developing for riders goes, I, I, I still say that England is a place where you get the most education. You go, you know, some of the tracks, you know, people say to me now, like I talked to Drew, quite a bit and Drew Kemp and Drew Kemp he, sorry yeah he said to me uh, he, he says oh you know there's this track up north and it's the worst track there's a big dip going into the third band I said mate I rode there in 1992 it's probably the same dip that was there then <laughs> you know but it's there you know it's there and you've got to adapt what you're doing on the bike to, to deal with it and that's learning you know it's far better to learn with non-ideal conditions than going to race at Torren every week, which is yeah. absolutely one of the best tracks in the world. Yeah, absolutely right, and of course. So I, I, I still think that all those, all the tracks in the UK, your Newcastles, your Glasgow's, your Ipswich, your Peterborough, Kings Lynn, you know, they're all important in the development of your career and the way you learn to approach and attack riding the bike. And of course, many riders of your generation, Jason, did exactly that, rode in England and, and went on and won world titles, you know, loads of riders, you know, it's only perhaps in more recent years, you know, perhaps riders have chosen to come out of England and have still like Schmarslick has won the world title um, without really riding in England. But overall, an English influence has been riding, it has been very important, as you rightly say. 
Yeah, I, I, I agree. It's, you know, when you look and you say Shaquille won the world championship from major in whatever year that was in the 70s. Yeah. And then Smarslik last year, every other rider that's been world champions been educated in British Speedway. Mm. Talking of which, Jason, um, you had, you know, as I said, you had you, you you had a few clubs in England, but you didn't have a, you didn't have a, you didn't have hundreds of clubs in England. Um, you spent some good time, I say, with Peebra, and also Bellevue Aces. Bellevue were a club you spent a, a considerable, you know, quite a few years at. Um, we won't go through each year in turn, but I mean, Bellevue was obviously a club you you thoroughly enjoyed your time at. I did, and um, I had a few different promoters at Bellevue, but. It, it suited me because I was racing in Poland of a Sunday. Um, well, for, you know, almost every Sunday I was in Poland, and almost every Tuesday I was in Sweden. And I looked at I looked at it, and instead of using Stansted or Heathrow, I chose to use Manchester. So I was in I was in the UK, you know, thirty Mondays a year. I didn't get I wasn't I didn't go to my home in Northampton very often on a Monday, but I was always in the UK. I'd fly into Manchester on a Monday afternoon, race at Bellevue on a Monday night, back to the airport, stay at the airport Monday night and out to Sweden Tuesday. And, and it was, um, it suited me just fine. John Perrin was a, was a character to ride for. <laughs> um, you know, again, the track was a really tricky track. There were very good riders that came there that, with all due respect to them, were quite easy to beat because they didn't like the track. Um, you know, and then there were some riders that you probably wouldn't have ordinarily thought that would be somebody that would burn you off, but they would, because they were prepared to have a go at Bellevue, they were a tough competitor there. But um, I, I enjoyed it at Bellevue. I mean, it was that, that the old track, Kirky Lane, that suited me yeah. perfectly at that stage of my career. Um, you know, John John Perrin was, you know, he he took a lot of he took a lot of stick from a lot of people in Speedway, but he was one of the best guys I rode for because, you know, have a blue with him, and you know, ten minutes later he was your best mate again, and, and it was all forgotten. He was just a, a you know a northerner, and and that's the way he was. And then of course Ian Thomas came in and he was a he was a character as well in his own way and um yeah i, I loved it at bellevue i thought that you know one i was i was part of the bellevue team every time i won the world championship and, and oh, i think what? riding at that track every riding at that track every week when we go when we broke up at cardiff and the track started to chop up it never bothered me because <laughs> i rode that track every week at bellevue. <laughs> Well, that's interesting what you say, though, because you spent a lot of time at Peterborough, big, fast, wide, and a lot of time at Kirky Lane, which was a lot tighter and tight bends and a bit choppier. And as you said, that's what makes the all-round, the all-round rider, you like to think. Yeah, I spent a couple of years at Kings Lynn as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a hard one because you, you tend to move clubs in the UK. Um Sometimes it's not even because you want to move. Sometimes it's because your average doesn't fit with what the promoters want to do. Yeah. yeah. You know, so it's it's a difficult one to say all the time that um, that riders are moving. Sometimes sometimes clubs move riders. You, you mentioned, you sort of briefly mentioned Europe there. Um, we talked about, you know, riding at Bellevue on money, so you're going to Europe, um, you know, and going back to... I mean, how did you find Europe? Because... You know, you obviously rode Poland and Sweden. Hectic times, Jason. Hectic times riding three countries. Yeah, it, it was. It was, you know, there was not many days off in the week. It was, uh, you know, it was it was quite a demanding schedule because at that point it has to be remembered that the, the Elite League in the UK wasn't running just on a Monday and a Thursday. There was many days of the week that you were expected to ride in the UK at different times and yeah, it was it was a tough schedule, especially when you put the you know throw the Grand Prix in there as well. You know, a Friday practice and a Saturday Grand Prix and the and the Speedway World Cup. There was a it was a lot um it was a lot to do, and I you know I understand you know guys like Tony and Thomas that were riding in England at, at different times, obviously at Ipswich. When you when you're Polish and you want to live in Poland, then 
England is a trickier place to get to than riding in Poland and Sweden. But and the same goes for Tony living in Sweden, riding in Sweden, and riding in Poland. But they were educated in the UK, and um, for for me, um, you know, Melody and I, we we had the kids, and they were. You know they were at school in the UK, so for us it was it was easier to be based there and, and to have to have the UK as one of the places I rode in regularly. And um, you kind of fitted the it was a tricky old calendar to make at times. You know juggling all the fixtures because you know you get a few rain offs in in England in April and May, and then you got fixtures that are trying to get fitted in somewhere along the line and. And it's quite tough, but you you know European speedways exceptionally good in its way as well. I mean, I wasn't having a go at Poland in any way, shape, or form by what I said about the tracks. But the the tracks in the in the extra league in Poland are all are all um, good racing tracks in, in good stadiums, and and ninety percent of the time they're a pleasure to race on. Tough, tough can be tough. I spoke to Mark Lorham and Chris Louie on, on a podcast like this, similar, uh, Jason. Um, they were saying tough gigs in Poland. Um, it, was, it was tough and, and the pressure was on a lot more than in England. Was, was that how you found it? Oh, absolutely. You know, I was, I was employed like they were to buy a club and I was paid good money and, you know, I was expected to score points. And, um, you know, if, you, if you're being well rewarded then you've got to come up with the goods all the time and you know some of those days that you turn up in Poland to race and you'd look at the program and you've got Ricardson and Golub and Kolodzi and the other Golub in the team it's um you know you didn't get an easy race not not one easy race I've got a little, uh, welcome to the non uh, the Speedway podcast, everybody. I hope you enjoy listening to um to Jason Crump here. He's um he's 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 live he's live from Australia. It's it's great to catch up with you, Jason. We're, just having, we're halfway through here. We're doing quite nicely and it's having some good fun. Um, Jason, just a couple of little things. Now, we have a little little section here. Just a couple of little little quick answers for you. See how so you can answer. You know, give give me a quick uh, once down on these. Um, favorite track. Have you got a give us a couple of your favorite tracks, uh, Jason? That you rode in anywhere. Doesn't matter where. The, the old Bellevue at Kirky Lane. Yep. And probably the old Wrocław Stadium in Poland. Mm. Least favourite? I was never a fan of Bidgosh. Oh, really? Why, why, why was that? Don't know. Honestly, don't know. Just. Um, it's always, always comes over as a real bit of a racing track a lot of riders seem to, seem to enjoy, but no, as you say, it's a. No, never did. Never. I was never a big fan of Bidgosh. Big, biggest rivals, Jason, at your time. Who were the riders you think? Oh, you, you know, had some good rivalry with. Uh, Rickardson, Gollum, Hancock. Were they your toughest opponents as well? Well, Nicky was a tough opponent, but in a different sort of way. <laughs> um, you know, um, they they were all tough, but but you know. Mark Lauren was a tough guy to race against, and that it didn't matter if you raced against Mark in a league match or in a Grand Prix or a World Cup. You knew what you were going to get with him, and he was always a tough bugger to race against. <laughs> Did you have any superstitions, Jason, as, as a rider? Oh, terribly superstitious. Oh, were you? Yeah. Not as bad as Chris Louie at the start of the race with the tapping <laughs> and, and everything like that, but... You know, every rider has their own little idiosyncrasies, and I was no different. A little, a little, a little, a little curveball here. What's your favourite pizza topping? Oh, uh, I, I love the Supreme Pizza, but I've been on a plant-based diet for about three months now, <laughs> so I'm looking forward to getting one soon. <laughs> right, Jase. Um, obviously, three world titles. Fantastic, astonishing. Um, to win three, three, three world titles is, is always a terrific, terrific feat. Um, and I've never realised you were runner-up quite a few times leading up to your first title before you eventually won in two thousand and four. Yeah, that was that was hard to take. Yeah, three three times runner-up before you won is it, extraordinary. But yeah, must have been great though when you did. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, a, a lot of people forget. A lot of people bypass the fact that I was very, very consistent in the world championship for a 10 year period, you know, and, um, 
I'm, I'm of course very proud that I was world champion three times, but I'm also very proud of the fact that I was able to sustain the top three of the world championship for 10 years in a row. And, mm. um, you know, that's, there's a lot of grand free meetings in a 10 year period and, and to be able to be able to put the performances together kind of the way I did over that length of time. Um, that that's something I'm very, very proud of as proud of that as being world champion actually. Absolutely. And, and I think you still hold the record for the most GP wins. I'm not sure if that still stands, but I believe you do. Um, on, on 23. I hope, I hope, I hope so. And I'm probably never going to add to that again. <laughs> Um, I mean, obviously, you've probably been asked this a million times. You've won three world titles. Which was your favourite, Jason? Well, I mean, the, the first world championship that you win is, is always... They don't get easier, but the first one is the biggest barrier to get through. And obviously, I've been reasonably close for a couple of years before that. And, um, you know, it, to win the first world championship for anybody is special. And, you know... You win the world championship once or five times or ten times, you're you're still a world champion and you're still the best guy in the game for that. You're one of the best guys in the game if you're world champion. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. And um, I think most riders would be more than satisfied to win once. Um, you know, but uh, there's a few that have been able to string more than that together, and and I'm very very proud that I was one of those guys. And um, yeah, it, it took a lot of hard work. The first one, the first world championship that you win, you don't as much as you might think you understand what you're doing. I I, I don't think I did because I was quite frustrated with being second for the previous three years, and I'd never. The year I won the first one, I was just absolutely desperate to come away from the Grand Prix with 10 or 12 points, however many points I thought I needed to get that day. Mm. Um, in world championships after that, I was able to, um, without having that pressure of not being a world champion, I think I was able to do things a little bit differently and not, I don't say take chances, but maybe try and do things in a different way that may help me towards the end of the night. So in, it's funny because the way the Grand Prix works has changed. Obviously, you had the first World Championship I won um, was the old 24-rider format mm. where you, you know, you, if you're in the top eight, the Grand Prix before, you didn't start until eight twelve or whatever it was. Yes, correct. And you had, a, you had a chance to have a crappy ride and then you could get everything sorted out and go out and you could still get good Grand Prix points. And then it went... Then it went to the to the system that I won at the second time, which was the you know the semi-finals, and the guy who won the final was the guy that got twenty-five points. It wasn't your heat races. And then the third time I won, it was all the points that you scored in the night carried over yeah. to the final. So you, there was you, you kind of had to play it as a. To, could put a bit together when it was all all on the final when it was the 25 points winning that last race and and I did that in quite a few Grand Prix where if I had kind of 10 points after my first four rides I might try something mechanical or try a different bike in my last heat race to see if it was better or worse yeah and did, things didn't always work of course but sometimes they did and probably won me a Grand Prix where I ordinarily wouldn't have won it if it would have been the other way the last time I won, you needed to try and get two points in every race that you were riding in to, to get a decent total of points. Didn't have, didn't, didn't have time to yeah. didn't have time to mess around with, with machinery too much. Not not really, no. You won the British Grand Prix five times, I believe. Um, but it was, I, it was like it was like my home Grand Prix. It wasn't wasn't it just? But it wasn't all at Cardiff, Jason. You actually you won at Hackney, of course, and Coventry. I mean, you had great success in the British Grand Prix. Um, any reason for that? I mean, did, did you just love being there with the crowds? And Millennium Stadium, obviously fantastic. Well, the Millennium Stadium was, you know, that was something, that that was our Wembley. You yeah. Know, I've said it before in interviews, you know, we, I, I didn't come from the generation of rider that got to race at Wembley, but we, we got to race at Carter. And, you know, John Fossilthwaite, who was the boss of the Grand Prix at that time, he, he took us into some big stadiums and, 
you know, Cardiff's the one that's that's prevailed, and it's still the biggest Grand Prix of the year. And it took me a few, it took me a little while to win at Cardiff. I did all right the first year, and then didn't do so well for a couple of years. But um, yeah, I think you know, I think I, I generally did reasonably well in the British Grand Prix because, like I said, it was like a home one for me anyway, living in the UK. And after after you, of course, won won a world title. It was it was it was a long time. Before it was a long time since since an Australian had won a world title, of course, um, with Jack Young. Gosh, going back many years. But then since then, Chris Holder's come through. Jason Doyle's come through. Um, you must be thrilled to see that um, Aussie Aussie riders coming through after you to win world titles. Yeah, I'm I'm really proud because um, you know I, I'd like to think that I made the I made the young fellas from Australia realise that you can be world champion and. Um, you know, we're, we're no different than, than anybody else. It was it was a huge, <coughs> excuse me, there was a huge stigma for, for us Aussies. Like, you know, there hadn't been an Australian world champion since the early 50s. And, yeah. you know, yeah. my, my, my dad had kind of got reasonably close and Billy Sanders from Ipswich, well, the Australian guy that used to ride for yeah. Ipswich, he, he, got, he was a runner-up and Todd Wiltshire was a runner-up and Boise was on the podium and, um, it was, it was like it was becoming this big thing. Was it, were Australia going to be able to get a world champion? And um, it, it was, you know, we we were under a bit of pressure from Aussie, you know, to to try and win the world championship. And um, thankfully, I did. And like I said, I'd like to think that I I showed the next generation of Chris and Doyle and you know probably Darcy if he wouldn't have been injured and and you know. The next guys that we've got coming through, like Max Freak and Jamin Lindsay and Brady Kurtz, and and this level of rider. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening to the non, to the uh, Speedway podcast, everybody. I nearly said the non-league podcast there because I do a non-league podcast, Jason, as well. But there's nothing like the non-league podcast. This is a Speedway podcast. <laughs> so, but so I hope you enjoyed listening to Jason here. We're we're, we're chatting with him. It's fantastic that uh, we've got Jason Crump with us, three-time world champion. And uh, Jason, we'll move on to a couple of other little things. Um, the golden helmet in um, in Czech in the Czechoslovakia or Czech Republic. Um, you won that a couple of times now. Um, I spoke. We had a podcast with Jeremy Doncaster. Would you believe um, who do who do? He got out his two golden helmets to show me because he won a couple and you did as well. Um, um, have you still got them? By the way, have you still got the golden helmets? Yeah, yeah, I have. Um, they're they're actually here. <laughs> Funny story with those golden helmets. Our kids about oh, I don't know, maybe 10, 12 years ago. They weren't very old. And they decided that they'd get the gold helmets out, and we caught them riding around on their push bikes out in <laughs> front of the house. <laughs> Check golden helmet each. <laughs> they're quite something, aren't they, Jason? I mean, I was talking to Jeremy. I went, well, Jeremy, he maybe put one on my head. I mean, they're they're, they're heavy beggars, aren't they? I mean, they're they're very heavy. Yeah. I, I I actually think that the, some of the worst photographs that come of us <laughs> is the winner of the golden helmet when the Czech guys bang that golden helmet on the top of your head and do the straps up way, way, way too tight. <laughs> and the thing's kind of come down covering your eyes and your ears are jammed outside of it. But, um, yes, they, they do. Know, again, that was, that was I was a Jawa Works rider and um, it was an important meeting for the, for yeah. the Jawa factory that the winner was riding a Jawa. And um, yeah, I was, again, it's a, a tough meeting and very proud to have won that a couple of times. But, but Jeremy, um, Jeremy's actually a, a, a very good friend of mine. And in my early days of racing in the UK, I used to travel quite a lot to Europe with Jeremy and Simon Wiggs to grass track meetings and, and Mark as well. Um, and, you know, Jeremy was one of those guys that just, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't stop talking to him because he was so good mechanically. His just different things that he did to his bike and, and stuff and things that he showed me in like 1993, 94, 95 time when we were doing all the, all those trips abroad. I still do things to my bike the same way that he <laughs> explained to me to do them back then. And, uh, you know, I, I'm really, really looking forward to catching up with him because like, like I say, those trips, um, Back in the early days, they're, they're some of my fondest memories of racing. 
we, Mark and I did a trip to Marmond in France once in his van. I think Lee Lanham maybe even came with us as well. And he had no no beds, no seats in the back of his van. He had about six or seven bikes jammed in there. And I said to him, well, where are we all going to sit? And he said, oh, we'll just put a mattress in, you know. And we drove all the way from Calais to Marmond, lying on top of mattresses on the top of the bikes in the back of the van. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't think Donkey was with us on that trip. I think he took the easy, I think he took the superstar rider role, that one, and went on, went, came back on the aeroplane. You, you talked about some, some stories that you must have some great stories from your time in Speedway, little dust-ups and fun, uh, Jason. Uh, and, you know, there's, you're a hard rider. I mean, you're fair but hard, but there's a lot of hard riders as well, wasn't there? And um, there's a few dust-ups, I dare say, you had. I mean, any sort of um, spring to mind? I, I, I think I remember a little running with poor old Todd Wiltshire once, but I, I can't remember if that's correct or not. But, um, but there was... Yeah. There was a, it's, it's a tough sport, isn't it, Jason? Yeah, I mean... For sure, I was a I was a, a hard rider, but you know, when you start talking about the, the top guys in the world, there's not a there's not really an easy rider. I mean, everybody's everybody's racing to win, and everybody's you know having everybody put in as much effort and commitment as what I did. So, um, you know, if sometimes if you're not happy with something that somebody's done on track, or you're, they're not happy with you, yeah. Of course, there's always a few dust-ups. And, um, you know, Todd and I had a bit of a problem. We were teammates, or he didn't really have a problem. I suppose I had a problem with him, and and that was unfortunate. But Todd and I are pretty good mates now. And, um, you know, it's, yeah. the majority of the time, the things are forgotten by the time you're halfway home at the end of the night. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. The, majority, the majority of the time. Not always, but the majority <laughs> of the time. Now, now, obviously, obviously, your dad Phil was a hugely successful rider, and um, and of course, you've got young Seth, your, your lad, coming through on on different form of, of motor racing. Um, I mean, you know, a bit like Chris and John Louis. I mean, there's a father and son there, and you obviously with Phil. Um, you know, there's always a little bit of pressure sometimes on the on the son, you know, to follow in his father's footsteps. And I'm sure Chris felt that a little bit as well. But how did you cope with all that? Um, Jason with 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 Phil and, and and have you sort of how are you looking at it towards Seth? Have you learned anything sort of from your build up your relationship with your dad when he was helping you and obviously you know towards how you'll be with Seth or? Yeah, I, I have. I've learned a lot, and I, I learned very early on that it doesn't matter who your dad is or who your mum is or who your uncle is. When you go in a speedway race, you're on your own. Basically, you're on your own. And you've got to learn to look after yourself and you've got to learn what you're doing in your job. And, um, you know, the, the guidance I got from not only my dad, but from my family and from my wife and from friends was hugely important. Nobody was more important to me than the next person. Um, You've got to have the passion to do it yourself. That's that's the main thing. I'm sure if Chris is honest, and, it, and I'll be honest and tell you, there's nobody that puts more pressure on you than what you put on yourself. And you've, you've got to deal with that. I, I never saw it as anything other than an advantage for me that my dad was a rider. I was very, very lucky that, you know, for example, Donkey, you know, I'd known Donkey for years before I came to Europe to race because I knew him from when my dad raced in the UK. I yeah. knew Donkey from when he came to Australia to race for the British Lions. I'd see him, I'd speak to him. You know, um, next minute for me, um, you know, I'm, I'm in Europe and getting to travel with him. And for me, it was, it wasn't a problem. It was, it was an easy thing because I already knew him for quite a long time. You know, the same goes with Mark. Like when I was 14, 15, Mark and I used to jet ski in Australia together. Yeah. Um, yeah, so so from that side of it, fame father from Speedway, all it did for me was probably open a few doors maybe a yeah. bit sooner than, than what they normally would have been open. But the bottom line was, or is, if I would have got a two-point average in my first season at Peterborough, I probably wouldn't have been able to come back and ride in the UK the following year regardless of who my dad was. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Would you have done anything different? I mean, I know you've got this season ahead and you've still got, hopefully, a few seasons to, still to ride, Jason, but look back at those, those glory days. Um, well, would you have done anything different? 
Then you know, looking back now, oh, you... ab- absolutely, you would. You know, uh, for sure. You, there's things you'd change, but there's many things I wouldn't change. Um, but that's that's not only Speedway or as sportsmen. That's just everybody life in general. You know, why why didn't I buy shares in a company three months ago? They were you know twenty five dollars a share. Now they're one hundred and twenty five dollars yeah. a share. That's just life. I asked a couple of people, I told a couple of people I was going to speak to you on this podcast and a couple of people asked me, they said, it's a very strange question, they said, well, whenever Jason came to Ipswich, you always had quite a basic looking van, just a very nice, simple white van. And a lot of other riders had lots of flashier vans. I mean, I can't remember. Is, was this true, Jason, or did you keep things simple or was that, is this? Absolutely. I very, very rarely had my name on the side of my van. I always had nice vans on the inside, but on the outside they looked like a courier's van. What was the reason for this? Yeah. Just, just the way you are, just the sort of per- just. Well, you know, at that stage, you know, the Grand Prix riders were all having motorhomes, and all these bloody rigs were starting to pull up, and I thought they were all a waste of time. And <laughs> nobody's, nobody's motorhome or metallic silver van won the McGrath Free, did it? <laughs> That's a very good point. Absolutely. Have you followed the GPs? You know, always, we, we always wanted to go and stay in a nice hotel. Yeah. You know, if, you, if you said to my kids, oh, you know, where, you know, what do you remember about a Speedway Grand Prix in bloody sweet? My kids would say to you, oh, that's where we used to go and play mini golf or that's where we, yeah. there was a swimming pool at that hotel we used to go and swim at. Yeah. You know, um, and they were that. That was that was what we did. We we never wanted a motorhome. We never wanted anything like that. I wanted to get in there, race a meeting, and hopefully win it, and go home with with Mel and the kids. Family massively important to you, Jason. Yeah, very still is. Yeah, I try and make it anyway. It's um, you know, it's um, it's important. Couple more things, and Jace, before we leave, and thanks ever so much for your time. I'm sure everyone listening to this will really appreciate listening to you to chat away about your career and different bits and bobs. Um, have you have you have you followed the GPs much since you since you left since you left them? Not. Uh, it's not like I sit up in the middle of the night in Australia and watch them, but no. I, I tend to, you know, I record them and then normally zoom through to the semis and the final. But obviously, <laughs> I'm in. So I'm in touch with all of the riders, but I'm in touch with probably half the guys that race in the Grand Prix, and I get messages at different times from them and keep in touch with a few of them and um, always look and see how they're going. Quick word about Greg Hancock, obviously a great opponent of yours, has now retired. Um, what a fantastic career. Um, you know, another one like yourself, fantastic career. Um, what a great guy he was to race against, I imagine, as well, and off track. I did a podcast with Greg last or earlier this week, actually, and um, yeah, it was it was great to catch up with him and talk about some of the old days. And uh, you know, we again um, we raced against each other for probably twenty years, and apart from a couple of um, a couple of moments that we had with each other, probably probably count them on my on one hand how many issues we actually had on track in that time. And as I said, they were all probably forgotten. Most certainly mine were forgotten by the time I was halfway home that night. Um, you know, a, a great ambassador for Speedway, a tough bugger to beat. Mm. You know, and you said before I was a hard rider. Well, Greg was a hard rider as well. He didn't come across, maybe the fans and stuff didn't think he was a hard rider. But, you know, Greg was a hard rider. You don't get to race at the level that he did for the time he was at that higher level without being a hard bugger on the track we've got the 2020s um, always always with Greg it was it was you could race all day and all night with Greg 10 millimeters apart yeah and yeah. feel completely safe yeah, that's 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 massively important, isn't it? Obviously, you speak to riders all all the world round. You know, just to ride against people they feel safe against makes the sport the sport it is. Yeah, and you know, Mark was one of those riders that you could, you know, he could rub. You know, you could basically do four laps rubbing 
together with Mark, no problem. And, and to, to race like that with him never bothered me one bit. Well, we hope that the 2020 season does get underway, um, as we said before, Jason. And, um, of course, you'll be up against uh, young Nicky Pedersen again. There's been a lot of talk about that. Um, will the old fire be burning when you sort of line up with the tapes against him? Is, will it, you know, there's still sort of... Um, I can't imagine you two champ champs are going to sort of want to lose to the other. No, I, I'm sure not. I mean, you know, there's been a lot of water under the bridge. I mean, Nicky and I did have a few... Um, run-ins I suppose over the years but I did send him a message yesterday and, and wish him all the best because he's he's got the virus and yeah yeah hasn't been very well um came straight back to me so um you know Nick, Nicky and I are fine and look again race against Nicky you know what you're going to get it's going to be a hard race and if you're going to beat him you're going to have to go like I breathe it's not going to change no absolutely um, are you concerned if the season doesn't get underway this year? How would you think about next season, or you don't even want to even think that far? Oh, I don't even want to think that far. No. I think we're we're, we're on, it's the second of April now. You know, if we have all of April and all of May off, that's we got eight weeks, okay? And we're still at the first of June. I I hope and I I really feel to myself that I thought you know. A, a, start to mid-June beginning would be, you know, I don't think that would cause too many problems. We'd all be bored by the time the season started and maybe that's, maybe we'll get a, get a few more people through the gates at Vauxhall if, if they're held, if, they're, if everybody starts the speedway until then. Well, look, Jason, I mean, I, I'm now speaking on behalf of, of, of everyone in Britain. We can't wait to see you over here riding again. It's absolutely terrific. Um, that you're, you're going to be back here in England and as I say, this season definitely will be fantastic and, and it's better for it. Jason, thanks ever so much for your time. I um, appreciate you're busy and lots of people contact you with different things and you've given us a bit of touch, some of your time here. Jason, Jason Crump, three-time world champion, thank you ever so much for your time. Thank you, it's been great to talk. Thanks, mate, and we'll, we'll hope, we look forward to seeing you in England soon.